Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. School is back in session, and that can only mean one thing. High school football is back. Beginning this week around much of the state, preseason games will be played. The regular season begins the following week. The landscape of high school football will look a lot different this year, with schools split into urban and rural districts. And seniors, who have been recruited since middle school, will begin their final seasons in hopes of finishing their high school careers on top. To help guide us into the 2022 season of high school football, we welcome back John Santucci, recruiting reporter and all-around nice guy for USA Today's Florida Sports Network. John's been touring the state, talking to coaches and athletes to be the most well-informed journalist at his craft. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida Network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper and, of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. If you want to know about high school football, no one will better educate you than John Santucci. The next 30 or so minutes will be worth your time. So let's get to it with John. John, welcome back to the podcast. Um, I'm excited that you actually chose to have me back voluntarily. That makes me feel good. <laughs> Lucky number 77 is this podcast, so I figured I had to have you back on a good number. What is this, third time I think we've done this? Does that sound right? Oh boy, you've been on a lot more than that, but this is the second uh, start of the high school football season podcast that you've done with me. Oh, then we're then we're probably like four or five. I apologize. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm that forgettable, but no worries at all. Wow, wasn't going there, but uh, you jumped right into the self-loathing, so all right, I'll, I'll meet you up there in a second. <laughs> All right, so let's get to what we're here for, and that's some high school football, John. And we've got preseason games coming up, regular season games right after that. So how long have you been prepping for the season? And tell us where you've been over the past few weeks. Um, Mostly been sitting in front of my computer watching a lot of film and just trying to do a lot of preseason stuff. Um, I, I tend not to... It's, it's interesting. When I was a beat reporter, uh, once August started, I was pretty much on the road constantly. You know that. And um, now that I'm mostly doing recruiting and statewide stuff, there's, um, you know, honestly, just try to just get as much statewide stuff done. And it's hard kind of to do that, that statewide overview um, if you're out at uh, one or two schools a day. You know, it's just, you know, you can only do so much. So, um, yeah, mostly sitting in front of my computer, actually, you know, got huddle open right now and 
um, was watching some film uh, all morning and um, we'll continue to do that. Let's see, probably until uh, the weekend. <laughs> well, it, it kind of reminds me of a few weeks ago on the podcast, I had a shark rep- uh, shark expert on and I was asking him how often he gets to go out and do these great shark expeditions. And he's like, yeah, I do that every now and again, but most of the time I'm behind my desk doing research of what we found on that shark expedition. So it sounds like you've been doing a lot of research. Florida is, look, it's huge. It's like four states in one. So how are you able to look at all of that and disseminate, you know, how a player in Pensacola can compare to somebody in Miami? Yeah, look, that's the... That's the hardest part of the job, right? Especially for me is is doing our top 100 because, um, you know, like you said... You don't. Number one, they're not on the same field together too often. Um, And if they are, it's usually in a seven on seven context. I don't put a ton of stock into a seven on seven. Obviously, you can see how a guy moves and does different things. But I'm I'm a really big fan of seeing guys in pads. And 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 because you mentioned the panhandle, you know, we had a kid last year. Pine Forest plays Jesuit on paper. It looked like it was going to be a cakewalk for Jesuit, the state championship game. It was one of the best games I covered last year, certainly. Um, and Jesuit did win, come from behind, but uh, Donnell Hayes, uh, the wide receiver from Pine Forest, who I believe is going to Minnesota, you know, might have been the best player on the field that day. Um, and I, I don't know that that I would have picked him going into it. There are certainly guys that uh, are ranked higher than him, but, you know, talent is talent, you know, and, and this state's got a ton of it. And when you look, especially at the class of 2023, you know, if you look at at some of the other lists that go down to 200s or 300s, you've got kids in the in the high 180s, 170s that are going to power five schools. That's how deep the state is this year. So how do you compare them? You hope that you're right. You hope that when you watch film on one kid that it's similar to that you're seeing a similar talent level or the way he moves would translate the same in Pensacola as it does Miami. So, uh, look, it's 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 hard. Honestly, it's hard, but it's it's an awesome job. Oh, sure. How often do do other coaches, do other recruiters, do other people reach out to you and say, you know, hey, John, tell me a little bit about this kid. He's coming to our area. How often does that happen? Um, coaches quite a bit, especially uh, they, they, they normally won't call me. But if I'm on campus, they will grill me about, you know, I was just up uh, your way a couple weeks or a week ago. And, and uh, I think everywhere I stopped, it was, hey, tell me about this kid or tell me about that kid or what does this school have or whatever. I think that's pretty standard. Um, whenever we're around, whenever I'm around other people who cover recruiting, especially like when you go to some of these games, um, like we got some monster games coming up early in the season. Um, and I'm sure I'll see several of those guys. And and the conversation very quickly, you know, gets to what do you think of this guy or what do you think of that guy? Or, um, you know, for me, that question usually becomes with a guy that has talent, but either doesn't have, um, you know, I, I call them red flags, you know, that's obviously not a an unprecedented statement, but um, you know, if I see a kid that's kind of lazy or if I see a kid that, you know, the rumor is he's got a really bad attitude or, or whatever it is, um, you know, I want to hear what other people have heard and I want to, you know, how much do they value that? And I've got a guy that um, I'm certainly not going to say who, but, but, you know, some people absolutely love him, and I'm, I'm kind of not in the same boat for, you know, some of those red flag reasons. I just have some concerns and some colleges have mentioned some things that they're concerned about and, some people, you know, put a lot of stock in that 
and some people don't. And and it's kind of interesting. And quite frankly, I think it's kind of cool that when these lists look really different, you know, when, you know, one service has a guy ranked really high and another service drops him for whatever reason. And there's lots of little there's lots of little things, you know, there's there's always a part of me that goes, how is this list going to look in five years? You know, you're talking about how you find all of these players and lists you make. Well, who are some of the players that we should be watching for? You know, again, Florida is such a huge state. So, you know, if you're in Miami or if you're in Tampa, Jacksonville, Pensacola, who who are some of the players that you would be uh, watching for tip to stern here in Florida? Okay, uh, let's say this, first of all, this again, and I, I know I said it a minute ago, since I've been doing this um, and, and since I've been covering the state, I, I'm not sure this is the most loaded class ever. Certainly not going to say that, but it's 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 up there. I, I think if you go on some list, they've got four star kids all the way down to like, I want to say the 70s or 80s. Um, last year, you know, by comparison, guys that are guys that we had even in the top 40 last year, I don't know if they'd be in the top 70 this year. Uh, that's just how good the state is. So. And maybe that's also a bit of a statement about last year's uh, talent. But look, the number one kid on our list, uh, Cormani McLean, linebacker, linebacker, cornerback out of Lakeland, um, was at Lake Gibson last year. He's going to make Lakeland secondary that much better. The kid is absolutely phenomenal. He's long. He's got that alpha mentality that I love in cornerbacks. He's a ball hawk. He's got 15 picks the last two years. He's been the... Uh, uh, the Lakeland Ledger's uh, defensive player of the year two years in a, go- in a row, and I guarantee you that he's the favorite this year, hands down. You know, just that he's everything you want. He he almost looks like he gets bored on the field sometimes and is just baiting a quarterback so he can almost increase the level of difficulty. Like, it, it, he's he's just a different kind of player, you know, an absolute stud, a guy who, who goes into college uh, and right away is going to find the field. And, and, you know, is a true number one there, we've got some really good cornerbacks, uh, in the state, but, you know, I always look at them and I'm like, okay, I, I think that kid's, you know, your number two cornerback or that kid's a slot cornerback. This kid is a straight up alpha number one cornerback. I, I can keep going on and on about him. His, his film is dynamic. I mean, it's not just like, there's some kids where the film is pretty good or the film's interesting. His film is, is popcorn film. You, you, you know, just enjoy it. Watch him just baiting quarterbacks into making throws that they they know they shouldn't as soon as the ball leaves their hands. I'm a really big fan of Francis Moyaga out of uh, IMG offensive lineman. Uh, similar to Evan Neal, they had a couple years ago, maybe a little, just a, an inch shorter maybe, and, and probably a little bit uh, not as heavy as Evan, but just a mammoth human being headed to University of Miami. He's committed a great get for the University of Miami. I really like what they're doing with their offensive line guys. But um, and by the way, IMG has so many legit players that again, that's that's not news, right? Um, they've got talent all over the field. You know, they they bring in some great guys like Jaden Wayne, the uh, defensive end out of um, Washington. That that uh, another Miami commit. They they added a tight end um, from I believe Oregon. Uh, Riley Williams, another Miami commit. They're not all going to Miami, by the way. I want to be clear on that, but just really good players um, at IMG. Carnell Tate, the uh, the wide receiver who's going to Ohio State, I, I think is just phenomenal. They're loaded all over. Offensive line should be outstanding. And again, I'm only talking about the class of 2023 right now. Uh, they've they've got uh, Winston Watkins too. I want to mention him out of Fort Myers, um, another guy that. Uh, 
uh, is probably one of the number one players in the class of 2025. So let's go to Tampa, though. Keon Keeley, the, the defensive end, edge rusher, go, headed to Notre Dame, at least right now. Richard Young, who, who uh, is Lehigh's running back, committed to Alabama. He is, he's been very vocal on Twitter that he's going to flip him. So maybe by the time this comes out, I don't know, we might be saying that he's no longer going to Notre Dame. But Keeley, for me, is is the number one edge rusher in the state, and that's saying something when you got guys like Reuben Bain, Damon Wilson, uh, Jaden Wayne, who we, who we just mentioned. You know, a lot of talent on the edge, and uh, he's certainly in that mix. But, um, you know, for me, he's just a complete package. A guy who's 6'6", 230, he can move, he's long, he's he's physical. He's he, To me, he's everything you want um, in an edge rusher. Let's go to Jacksonville. I really like Jordan Hall. Jordan Hall, the uh, the defensive lineman from West Side All American. He's he's one of the better players I've seen in this uh, in this cycle. We are we're probably a little bit higher on Jordan Hall than some other recruiting services. But for me, again, there's a guy six four and a half, right around three hundred pounds. Just a, a big guy, nice kid, confident, um, gets in the backfield in a hurry. He's violent hands. I like everything about him. I, you know, I think we've got some really good D linemen in this class. I really like John Walker and Osceola's UCF commit, maybe the the biggest UCF commit ever. Um, the argument is is whether or not him or Dante Culpepper were was a bigger get for UCF. Uh, that's that when you're in a when you're in a conversation alone, it's just you and Dante Culpepper. I think that gives you an idea of the kind of impact this kid can have. And I just think he's a phenomenal lineman. Mentioned, mentioned Richard Young, Cedric Baxter, the running back out of Orlando. Um, I know you said tip to stern, but let's go right in the middle of the boat uh, in Orlando. Um, I think uh, Cedric Baxter, to me, is the most complete running back in the state as far as his ability to um, both run the ball, catch the ball out of the backfield. I think if he was a receiver, he'd be a power five guy. Uh, and he's a running back. You're talking about a guy who's, you know, I believe he's right around 6'1", 6'2", just committed to Texas. Uh, recently. So, yeah. And then South Florida, I don't know what you mentioned out of South Florida, Brandon Innes, the wide receiver. I think he's been on every recruiter's uh, recruiting guys. We, we've had him on the board since he was probably in seventh or eighth grade. Just a guy who's an elite, elite route runner headed to Ohio State. Ohio State, by the way, is the best receiving room I've seen in a very long time with uh, Carnell Tate, Brandon Innes, uh, Bryson Rogers, all from Florida, all top 50 guys on our on our board, at least they will be by the time the next top 100 comes out, you know, just they've raided the state when it comes to wide receiver talent. But Brandon Innes is, is a monster. How does that work for you? Yeah, I'm just glad I used the term stern properly because that's the back of the boat. Uh, I guess the front being the bow. Is that correct? <laughs> um, yes. When All you right. said bow for some reason, I thought Karate Kid. I had a, I, I just had a Karate Kid one flashback. But uh, yes, I, I believe that is the correct uh, terminology. We'll have to ask your old colleague, Ed Killer, who comes on the podcast frequently. He'd know. Yeah, there you go. All right. So now that we've heard about the players, and before we start talking about specific teams, I wanted to talk about really the big news that occurred in the offseason, and that's, of course, the split of the uh, rural and urban divisions, which will essentially keep Miami and Tampa from hogging all the state titles. So explain what determines a Metro from a rural team, and do you like this? Yeah. um, The state 
flipped it to Metro Suburban uh, this past year. Um, it was technically, not technically, it was. It was voted on twice uh, because one of the board members who, I guess on paper, would have been the the uh, swing vote, brought it back up to basically delay it for at least a year and, and to keep looking at it. And it got voted um, it got voted in pretty overwhelmingly the second time. Um, so we had two back-to-back board meetings over a period of about three months where uh, this was the number one discussion was Metro Suburban. So they took the the count the eight counties with the highest population or population density. It might have been I can't remember how they how they did that. But um, so basically, like some of the places you mentioned earlier, right? Jacksonville, uh, Miami, Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, uh, Palm Beach, Seminole County. They took these areas and they you know put them all in one one set of uh, four conferences they took the suburban schools like your uh, you know the treasure coast and the space coast and tallahassee and and uh you know sarasota and some of these places and fort myers and naples and they put them all in in suburban do i like it give me ask that question again in in uh four months Here, here's what i do like about it on paper We've had some really boring state championship games the last two years. And I'm sure if you look at the list, it's a lot longer than that. But the worst games of the year should not be in the state championship game. Uh, that I will always buck up against. I, I don't think that you should look at, um, I think last year, and I, I think you and I might have talked about this last time I was on. I think last year we had eight classes, and I believe in seven of the eight classes, we picked the state champion as the number one team on in our week one poll. And one of them we had as the number two team. That was Jesuit. We had them as the number two team in that. Well, no, wait. I think we had Jesuit as the one. I'm trying to think. We had somebody was the number two that won a state championship. Might have been uh, Cardinal Gibbons. Everybody else we picked. From the from the jump, we we could see who we thought was going to be the state champ, and and again, seven of those eight we were right on from the beginning. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think it's going to be a little bit harder in in some of these classes to figure out who's going to be a state champion. I like the idea that in some of these classes we could even have an all South Florida state championship with a team from Miami against a team from South Florida, um, or excuse me, a team from uh, Fort Lauderdale. That's just me. And, and you know, some of that is me coming from, you know, having worked on the Treasure Coast for a long time and seen some really good teams just get absolutely routed by a team from South Florida that has, you know, 30 power five kids in their in their locker room. And, you know, and, and on the Treasure Coast, if you've got five power five kids in your in your locker room at one time, you're you're doing something really special. So. When you look at resources, when you look at the ability that the state has given, this is not an FHSA issue. This is a state issue. When the state allows kids to go wherever they want to go, when they've opened up that door, you've got you've got an issue. I still think the state needs to look at, you know, you looked at Metro Suburban, which I think was absolutely right. I think you got to look at private versus public. I, I still think that there are some inequities there that pretending like they don't exist is ridiculous. Pretending like St. Thomas Aquinas and Coco are on level footing because uh, one's public and one's private. I mean, like it's a, it's a world different. You can pay your coaches any, if you got the money for it, you can pay a coach whatever you want at a public school. You can't do that at a private school, at least not uh, legally. 
you know, there there's a difference in what they can afford. There's a difference in the type of facilities they can have. There's a, just a difference in a lot of these things. And so to say that there's not, you know, I think that's kind of sticking your head in the ground. I feel like for a long time, the FHSA has done that. I feel like they kind of pulled their head out of the ground a little bit. We're going to keep saying out of the ground and make sure we're not saying another area. But, you know, to, to, to say that Metro Suburban is on is on equal footing isn't accurate. You know, if you look in, um, I'm going to keep using Miami, you know, as an example, you've got, you know, within a 40 minute drive, you've probably got, what, 4 million people living in, in, in certain areas. If you're at St. Thomas Aquinas, you're, you're right off I-95 and you've got a lot of area that you can draw from. If you're at Cocoa High School, there's only so many, there's only so many places you can draw from. Kids aren't going to drive from Fort Lauderdale to come to Cocoa or, you know, to go to Pine Forest. If you're up in the, the panhandle there, you're only really getting what's around you. Well, if you're in South Florida, you know, there's a reason why they've been winning so many state championships. There's a lot of talent to go around and they tend to all migrate to one of 15, 10 to 15 schools. So you got, you got teams like Miami Central and Shamanon Madonna and, um, you know, Gulliver Prep and Miami Northwestern that are loaded, loaded, loaded all-star teams. And that's fine. They're, you know, the, the, the rules say that they can do that. But when you're in, you know, some of these other places, you can't bring in 30 kids every offseason. There's not, and if you do, they're not going to be at the same level as the five or six kids that just transferred into Miami Northwestern. It's just not the same. No, no. And, you know, I think Coco is a great example because, you know, Brevard County, where, where I'm located, and Coco is the power here, you have a county, it's the longest in the state, it's 72 miles tall. Uh, it's only about 20 miles wide, but it's an area of 600, 650,000 people with 16 high schools. So that's a large area, you know, that, that only has 16 high schools, whereas there's that many high schools in a 10-mile radius down in Miami, and, and they've just got so many kids to choose from. And But, you know, this is the first year with Coco. Their quarterback is coming down from Volusia County, so this is the first time we've seen somebody kind of cross county to come down to the power school here. But I like the split because then it shows, you know, my alma mater, Merritt Island, made it to a state championship last year for the first time in whatever it was, uh, 32 years and, you know, they, they got stomped by a Miami team. Now they'll be on more even footing because that's a team that wasn't built through recruiting the county. It was just a team that was talented together, built from a local area. And I think you're going to see more teams like that. You know, I like the uh, Naples is always a super team, but they never get very far. Vero Beach is a super team that never gets very far. So I'm excited to see these teams get their chance on a better playing field than having to get stomped by an all-star team from down south. Yeah. And, you know, again, look, we might get to the end of the road and go, yeah, this wasn't that fun. You know, like that that's very possible. Look, at the end of the day, this is a two year deal. It's not a 30 year deal. You know, people who are, you know, lamenting this like it's the end of the world. The, the FHSA just said this is a two year cycle and we'll see how it goes. I, I don't know. You know, this might not work out. I'll be the first to say that it's not a perfect system. There are no perfect systems. You, you know, I, I came up with a very convoluted thing that that you know basically you know weighed out different scenarios like public versus private and how many you know people are in your area and and i would say that you know on paper it was a little more elegant because it felt like i put more work into it but 
uh, it's not perfect. There isn't a perfect system. You know how big the state of Florida is? You know how many issues the state of Florida has? I mean, you know, what, what works in the panhandle doesn't work in Miami, and what works in Jacksonville doesn't work in Sarasota. So, um, you know, this idea that there's going to be one perfect thing, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen for a state this big, and I don't care what the issue is, it's, and certainly not going to happen with football. It's not... There's not an equitable system that's going to work, but I like that they're trying something. If you're wondering, the state of Florida is 65,758 square miles, so that is big, my friends. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So let's look at week one here, John. You know, we'll we'll get through the preseason games, but have you started looking to the schedule? Is there a game or games that you're particularly looking forward to once we get the regular season going? Um, there's, there's several, I'll tell you what, let's just start with the ones. Cause I'm not sure what I'm going to cover yet. So let's, let's start with my conundrum there. Maybe you can give me some help. We got Broward versus the USA, which is going to be great. And it's seven, uh, seven games in three days. Um, Western, Western and Stranahan play on Thursday. Uh, on Friday, it's Dillard Cardinal Gibbons. And on Saturday, St. Thomas Aquinas, American heritage from, um, Plantation and Shamanan Madonna, all playing teams from around the country uh, in in three days, which just, again, on paper, you usually don't get to see that many teams um, unless it's like, you know, a spring uh, classic jamboree type thing. So one, just to be able to see that much talent in one place is going to be phenomenal. The teams they're bringing in are, are loaded, loaded teams and good luck to them trying to trying to hang with these South Florida teams in the middle of the day on a on a Saturday afternoon in, in late August, but you know, on uh, that, those are going to be some great games. I think the number one game for me in the state is going to be IMG Miami central uh, though, you know, depending on, on how you kind of, you know, rank the teams in the state. If you rank IMG, I think those are by any uh, ranking system. Those are two of the top five teams and five might be too low. Um, yeah, I think they're probably two of the top three teams in the state of Florida. Um, meeting in that first one, and, and you've got some great individual matchups in that game. Um, you know, Francis Mauigo, who we mentioned before, Ruben Bain, Miami Central's defensive uh, edge rusher, who had, I believe, 29 sacks a year ago and was just an absolute nightmare uh, against the pass. I, I'm really looking to, forward to to that matchup and, and several others, um, two great coaching staffs. I got to be honest, Maui Go, we're going to find out really good, really quickly how good he is. And I don't have any questions about that, but he has Damon Wilson from Venice uh, in the preseason. And then he's got Reuben Bain in week one. So he's going to see some really good speed rushers the first two weeks of the season. But IMG Miami Central for me is is the week one game of the week. I don't know the full schedule, by the way. I really only know about Broward versus the USA and, and that IMG game. Um, I feel really comfortable knowing that that's the game of the week, though, is Miami Central IMG. I like the name Reuben Bain. Sounds like something somebody James Bond is trying to capture. I tell you, if you're an offense, he's definitely fits the villain mold. I'll, I'll be sure about that. I, I really like him, though. Phenomenal player. Um, reminds me a little bit, this is going way back, but just body type kind of reminds me of Raynard Wilson, a little bit of an undersized edge, but played at Florida State and was just a monster and, and a first round pick once played for the Bengals for a bit. So yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to that game. And and now I'm trying to figure out, okay, well, do I, how many miles do I want to put on the car? Do I want to drive to Sarasota on Friday night, come home, get home probably about two in the morning and then turn around and go cover uh 
three games in Fort Lauderdale? And the answer is probably yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I'm thinking about for week one. I don't have the rest of the weeks mapped out, so please don't ask me to go through them week by week. But that one, <laughs> cer- those those games certainly have my attention right now. Yeah, we don't have time for that anyhow. This is this is a, a short podcast there, John. <laughs> oh, then I'm definitely the wrong person to uh, bring on if you want to do a short podcast. All right, well, now I feel like I'm ready to, to get out there on a Friday night and check out some incredible football. But let's talk a little bit about the guys playing on Saturdays. Who has been doing a great job? Florida's recruiting class, of course, has been gaining steam in recent weeks. But you've got Florida, Florida State, Miami, UCF. You've mentioned one big recruit to my, to UCF. You know, Miami is building some great things. So how, how are our four major universities here? And you notice I'm including UCF now in the four major universities. Some people are going to crucify me for that. But what, what do you think about the recruiting classes thus far? Yeah, first of all, nobody should have an issue with you saying the four. I mean, the reality is, is that uh, UCF is about to or is, you know, right on the verge of being a power five school. Anybody that's committing there right now is committing to a power five school. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't understand why why anybody would have an issue with that. Let's start with them, because I just mentioned them. UCF just had the best recruiting month ever uh, in the month of July. And and I I say that with no reservation at all. UCF uh, got commitments from four four star players in the month of July. That equals the number that they had from 2022 to 2015. Which I guess the numbers would go backwards, but 2015 to 2022, I believe <laughs> that's the that's the range. I think that's the number of I think they in that time they signed four four star guys. They they got four four star commits uh, in the month of July alone. They're not done. I, I absolutely love the class that they're putting together. Just the, you know you, they're going in the Big 12. You want to get as much talent as you can. You can kind of figure out after the fact where they all fit, um, but they're getting talent and. Um, if you're a UCF fan, I think you you should just be ecstatic right now between getting, you know, the Harris twins and and getting um, John Walker. Um, that, that's unprecedented at that at that school. I, I like what Miami's done a lot. You know, Miami. You know, when you look at the trio, the IMG kids. You got Robert Stafford up from your neck of the woods. You got Ray Ray Joseph out of uh, Miami Edison, a great slot receiver. I like what Miami's done a lot, and I'm only focusing on the in-state guys. I, I just, I, I, I know some of the out-of-state names, but I, I can't really, you know, analyze. I don't, I just haven't watched their film. Um, can only focus on so many things at once. You know, Florida's class looks really, it, it is looking better and better, right by the day. Um, they, they've done a nice job this summer. Uh, I really like Gavin Hill out of Buholz. I think he's a really, really good defensive lineman. I think he's going to be a really nice interior guy at the next level. So I, I really like uh, them getting him. I love the receivers they brought in, specifically Aiden Mizell and, and Andy Jean and, and Eugene Wilson. I think all three of those guys are going to be phenomenal at the next level. Uh, Mizell is just so fast. I mean, he's an absolute burner. Andy Jean, a phenomenal all-around player. He's going to be an outside guy in college. Eugene Wilson is an absolute dynamic player. Uh, I saw him in a seven-on-seven this summer, and um, he was playing safety, and a kid caught a caught a pass over the middle, and Eugene comes down, and he tags him. And Eugene realized at the last second that it wasn't full pads, 
And so we just tagged him. And I had coaches from the other team. I asked them about how fast he was coming downhill. And uh, a couple a couple of the coaches from the team were th- that was on offense said it's he's lucky that they weren't in pads because the kid would still be asleep. Like he he comes down that fast. He's and he's going to play receiver. I think at Florida, I think he'll be in the slot. But man, just a dynamic player. Eugene Wilson really like him. Trayon Webb out of Trinity Christian. Um, you know, I, I really hope he can stay healthy uh, this year because I'd love to see him get a full year under his belt. But he's a dynamic running back. You know, I really like the the uh, the Marcus Stokes kid, the quarterback out of Nice. That's a guy who can seemingly throws better on the run than when he's stationary and can absolutely put a ball through a brick wall. So um, really like him. Really like another kid out of your area. The uh, the the Rockledge lineman who I just drew a blank. I can see his face. Uh, Bryce Levitt. I really like him. He's a big kid. You know, you put him in Kanijah Harris. I think you're looking at a center and a guard um, with those two. So I like their class. Listen, Florida State just doesn't have the same numbers as everybody else, but they're they're doing a nice job, especially in state. They got two of the of the best linemen in the state, and Lucas Simmons out of um, Clearwater Academy or, or Clearwater Academy International, and um, Roger Kearney, uh, the the guard from Jacksonville, really like Kearney's going to be really good in the run game. Lucas Simmons to me is the most interesting recruit in this class. There's a kid who grew up in Sweden playing handball and other sports, been playing football for like basically a little over a year. We've got him really high on our list. I think he's going to be really, really good in college. But he's a six eight kid with an eighty two inch wingspan. He he's going to be good. So. Uh, you know, he's got all the makings of a guy that, you know, you can see playing on Sundays. So as far as those four schools go, I think there's things to like about each of them. I think Miami and Florida have done a good job really building off the momentum of a new staff and excitement and things like that. The one thing I would say, in addition to everything we just said, though, is it's a long way to December. You know, so just because you got a kid locked up now. That does not mean that, uh, you know, everybody else is just going to, you know, shake their head and go away. I, I love the way Derek LeBlanc said it. The the uh, defensive lineman out of Osceola committed to Oklahoma and, and Florida was in his mix. And he, they, we asked him, you know, hey, what what was kind of the hard school to say no to? And he said he said it was Florida. And, and we said, well, basically, what did they say to you? And his response in, in uh, paraphrasing was basically. We understand. Congratulations. It's not over yet. Like we're, we're not going to stop recruiting you. So these guys are still going to be highly sought after every guy that we mentioned that's that's already committed. They're going to keep getting offers and they're going to keep getting love. And these colleges are going to do everything they can to flip them. So and and I, I'd say this, too. We had unprecedented coaching change last year in the power five levels. And when you talk about Florida, Oklahoma, USC, Miami, Notre Dame, you know, they're, they're LSU with their coach who apparently all of a sudden was born in the South. So, um, you know, uh, we could see quite a bit of turnover once again. Teams that were on the fence and and kept their coach, they usually don't end up winning more. They end up losing more than the year that they kind of got a lame duck coach. So, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of turnover again in those schools that are looking for guys are going to, you know, they're going to be hiring guys from other power five sometimes. So you have no idea what Dece- what November and December is going to look like from a, a coaching 
standpoint. So there's no way to say definitively, I don't care who it is. Yeah, they're definitely going to end up at this school. It's a long way to December. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. You know, John, the last thing I will ask you here is you are very good at getting players around the state to make their college choices through the USA Today's network and the Florida Sports Network. So if a player wants to get a hold of you so they can make their commitment, this is your time. Tell the players out there, tell the parents, how do they get in touch with you if they want their child to have their commitment made on the USA Today uh, big website? Yeah, uh, Twitter is the easiest way, at John Santucci, J-O-N-S-A-N-T-U-C-C-I. That's uh, my, my uh, probably shouldn't say this out loud, but uh, my my messages are open, so uh, you can hit me up. And yeah, that's, that's always the easiest way to get a hold of me. Absolutely, and it's such a cool thing that you do because these kids actually write their own story. This is why I'm choosing the school. And some will come out right away and say, I'm choosing this school and here's why. And some kids will wax poetic for 500 words and then at the very end say, I'm taking my talents to this place. So it's a great service you do, John, and it really is cool that the kids can get their message out that way. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. So what else are you working on uh, between now and the next couple of weeks? Do you have any more lists, stories, commitments? Uh, what what are we going to see out of you coming here, John? We've got a lot of stuff coming up. One is, you know, we're just updating our, our top 100. I was actually working on that, you know, when we started this uh, and we'll immediately go back to it. That's going to be coming out um, here in the next week or so. Uh, we've got a lot of little, uh, little, but uh, a lot of kind of cool lists and features we've got run into the next uh, several days. You know, uh, we do our ultimate recruiting season pass where if you could only look at um, one school, one time each year, you know, who would, who would be on your, uh, what are the 24 best games, including, uh, the kickoff class or 24 best teams. Um, so basically you get, you get one game each week, you know, so what's the game that you should go to. Um, and once you see a team, it's kind of an eliminator. You can't see them again. So if you go see IMG central, you can't see IMG or central again. So, you know, uh, I really like doing that story. It's kind of a, a fun one. Uh, that where I get to torture myself. Um, we do another one, which is an all all state preseason all recruit team. But again, we put that that kind of a twist to it. You can only pick one player from each team, so you only get one IMG kid. You can't take an IMG tight end, edge rusher, five offensive linemen, whatever. So we've got that list coming out pretty soon. I always like doing that one. We got a new one. Uh, again, no, not sure when it's running, but uh, we're calling it Frankenstein's team. So you, you take, you know the best this team has the best group of wide receivers and this team has the best group of tight ends and this team has the best this and that and so we we tip we put all that together and basically say hey what what would a frankenstein's team look like you know who has the best running backs who has the best you know edge rushers and and we put them all on one team so it's kind of a cool thing that that we've got coming so lots of little lists like that and and different stories i keep calling them little they keep taking up a lot of my time so little is probably not a fair word but yeah, we have a lot of fun with it. All right. Just in time for a Halloween, the Frankenstein team, or maybe you could call it the Football Stein team. Uh, no. Yeah. Wasn't Frankenstein the name of the, the doctor, though? That's Frankenstein. Oh, my gosh. Are, are we really going to do Young Frankenstein? Are we going to start going through that? <laughs> I could sit here and quote that movie all day. But in the interest of time, John, we're going to have to wrap things up. Okay. <laughs> Well, it is always a pleasure having you on, John. I do appreciate it. And if I don't talk to you 
until playoff time, which will be in about three months. Have a great season, but I'll probably talk to you before then. I appreciate it, and I'm sure you'll be getting some email me for, from me begging you to help me with something. Well, I'm always here for you, my man. Good to know. All right. And that's going to do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters. And this week, I'll end with a quote from President Dwight D. Eisenhower, who said, The supreme quality for leadership is unquestionably integrity. Without it, no real success is possible, no matter whether it is on a section gang, a football field, in an army, or in an office. And if you're wondering, a section gang is a crew of railroad workers responsible for maintaining a particular section of track. Who knew? Thanks, President Eisenhower. Tune in again next week.